When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ho, 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 hello, and welcome back to Bah Humbug, the Christmas movies podcast that attempts to answer the question, is there such a thing as too many baubles? And do I really need to fit them all on the tree anyway? I'm your host, Helen O'Hara, and today I'm going to be looking at a Belgian Christmas horror. It's new this year on Shudder, and it's called The Advent Calendar. Now, this is not, and I cannot stress this enough, to be confused with the cutesy Netflix rom-com The Holiday Calendar, which came out a couple of years ago. In this story, our, let's call her a heroine, is Ava, who's played by Eugenie Derouand, and she's a former dancer who's left paraplegic after a car accident. Her best friend is Sophie, played by Honorine Magnier, and she brings her an old wooden advent calendar from Germany. And Ava learns that there are surprises in store with each door she opens, and not all of them are good ones, because there is something very, very dark hidden there among the chocolates. And no, I don't just mean a 95% cocoa. Now, I was scared by this and intrigued and really impressed by the basic idea, but like, I am famously a wimp, so you should not necessarily be swayed by that. So instead, I've enlisted the help of horror expert, journalist and author Kim Newman to talk all things Christmas and horror with us today. Now, many of you are probably familiar with Kim's work already. He's been with Empire Magazine since its very first issue. He's written and broadcasted across basically every major publisher and broadcaster in the UK and many around the world. And he's also a very successful and prolific novelist with books like Anno Dracula and its sequels, which imagine what might have happened had Dracula not been successfully stopped in Bram Stoker's book. His latest novel is Something More Than Night, and that teams Boris Karlov and Raymond Chandler to solve monster-related crimes in LA in the 1940s. And look, I'm still reading it, so I can't vouch for the ending yet, but so far it is great fun. And Kim jumped online to talk to me a little bit about the advent calendar and lots about the special importance of horror at Christmas. Here's Kim. Kim, welcome to Bar Humbug. Thank you for joining us. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) Now, for anyone out there who doesn't know, you are not just the most expert film person that I know. You've seen, I think, literally everything Mm, ever. I still haven't seen Cats. Honestly, I think that just speaks better of your film knowledge than if you had. So that's 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 fair enough. But uh, but yet you're also a prolific horror writer as well, horror and film anthologies and everything else. Have you written a book since we last talked two days ago? I assume uh, you have. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still promoting the one that's out at the moment. I'm th- I've I've written a couple of outlines since I last saw you. you see? I'm thinking about what to write next. <laughs> 
that, my ladies and gentlemen, is a work ethic. Um, and the latest one, I have to say, no, I, I will confess, you gave it to me a couple of days ago. I haven't quite finished it yet, but I'm really enjoying it so okay. far. It's called Something More Than Night. It's Boris Karlov and Raymond Chandler solving like supernatural mysteries. I'm loving it. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I'm very fond of it myself, having spent a, a, a year and a half in lockdown with Raymond Chandler in my head. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just pleased I've, I've emerged not a self-hating alcoholic. Well, exactly. You're doing better than him already. Yes. Um, what, um, what inspired this one? It's the most boring question, but I've got to know. Oh, um, just the, the, I think what it, it shows you how long I've been thinking about this. Their centenaries came within a year of each other. Ah. Uh, they were born in, in the 1880s. So I must have thought about this book in the late 1980s. And I realized that not only do they, were they ex almost exactly the same age, but they had lived very close to each other as children in Dulwich. Uh, which is where my dad went to school. Uh, so it's an area I know quite well. Uh, and then again in Beverly Hills in the 1930s and 40s. And I just thought they were in, an interesting team. I, in my head, I saw, oh, yes, it's Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, right. You know, a, a, the, a writer and a detective. Uh, Boris Karloff did once play Sherlock Holmes in a very odd television play. So that was part of it. And then I thought, well, I love... Um, film noir and hard-boiled detectives and i love classic universal monster stories and i thought it'd be nice to do a book that had both of them so yeah, yeah. this and this did allow me to write like hardboard dialogue and and, and uh, mm. electrical machinery and lots of inside hollywood gossip stuff so yes yes um, i'm I'm very much loving that. Having having spent much of last year doing Hollywood research myself, I'm very much loving all the fragments that I know. So that's that's a great treat. Yeah, or if it's really unbelievable, it's probably real. Uh, <laughs> the stuff that I made up, it sort of goes around. But the, but the absolutely crazy stuff is mostly real. Yeah, but monsters also. But monsters, yeah. 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 Uh, who's to say monsters aren't real? Well, quite. Well, that's, that's yeah, that's that's kind of a, a theme almost running through it, yeah. isn't it? So, I mean, tell me about, we're obviously talking Christmas movies today, and um, we I'm vaguely kind of pinning this on the Advent Calendar, which is a Belgian horror movie out this year, obviously themed around Advent Calendars. Now, I currently have three on the go as we're talking. Uh, and as nice <laughs> as the one in the Advent Calendar, which is, I, I wish they'd made a promotional version of it because it's gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yes. I want one, but also yeah. I'm not sure I would be yeah. I would dare open it ever. Yeah. You know? That is true. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is a gorgeous, gorgeous advent calendar. Only slight downside, little bit of murder might yeah. result. Well, uh, you know, it's Christmas, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, on the one hand, you've got shepherds and angels and stars on trees. On the other hand, you have Herod killing all the babies in Judea. So, you know, it depends which one you're celebrating, doesn't it? <laughs> that is very true. So, for you, you know, Christmas horror goes right back to the beginning. Oh, yes. No, I love Christmas horror. <laughs> I mean, I always think it's a part of it. I, um, Christmas was a big thing in my family, even, even though we're completely secular. But uh, I, I grew up in the West Country in the 1970s. So I remember the original broadcasts of those ghost story for Christmas. Things where uh, it's usually like me and my dad would sit up late on Christmas Eve and watch the M.R. James adaptation the BBC put out. They seem to feel, I don't know, at some point uh, the BBC obviously felt that just putting out a Morecambe and Wise Christmas special and a Christmas episode of Dad's Army wasn't enough. 
there had to be something scary in there as well. And so for decades, I mean, they've sort of slightly brought it back in recent years. Mm. They would always ensure that there was something really terrifying on over Christmas, yeah. uh, but also terrifying, but for all the family. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and so that's still the, the tradition I grew up with. And even, I mean, things, traditional Christmas movies like It's a Wonderful Life are actually mm. terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying, there are, yes. There are, yeah, so so the darkest, gloomiest stuff in in yeah. Everybody forgets how miserable the miserable section of that film is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always associated Christmas with that sort of horror. I also yeah. spent a bit of time <laughs> watching stuff like Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night, Silent Night, Bloody Night, which um, uh, cross Ooh. promotion I'm uh, introducing at the Screen on the Green this week as a special Christmas show, eleven o'clock on Friday. Oh, is a is a pretty. Uh, <laughs> interesting holiday movie <laughs> so which one's that uh, not i have because i have seen black christmas but i haven't seen the silent night Deadly right. black christmas is the phone calls are coming from inside the house um yep. stalker one silent night deadly night that's the killer santas um uh, silent ah. night bloody night is the uh, asylum escapees who've taken over the small town I also think, I mean, Tales from the Crypt, the episode with Joan Collins and the murdering Santa Claus is still, uh, Mm. I think, almost the perfect 15 minutes of Christmas movie. Yeah, (laughs) It's even not Christmas Carol, the soundtrack, well, as Joan Collins is chased (laughs) around the house by Mad Santa. Amazing. Um, Very (laughs) fond of You Better Watch Out, a.k.a. Christmas Evil, which is another Mad Santa film, but it's a a sort of Mad Santa vigilante. It's back to the old idea of naughty or nice. Uh, So Santa does doesn't just bring gifts. You know, you get the, the lump of coal if you've been bad. <laughs> but the lump of coal straight through your chest yeah. or something. Uh, I, and even some of the more ob- ob- obscure, everybody forgets it, but Psycho is a Christmas movie. Ah. If you remember, it opens with that thing where it gives you the date of uh, where yeah. Janet Lee's in the bedroom uh, with John Gavin. It's early December. And then right. she's murdered that weekend. And then the rest of the story takes place uh, two and a half weeks later. So notionally, Norman Bates is busted just before Christmas. However, he doesn't actually have any Christmas cards up in the Bates Motel. I assume nobody... So strange. Um, I would have thought he'd be really popular. Yeah, I know. Apparently the reason for this is that when Hitchcock was, was shot, the film, the location stuff in December, and in the background of some of the street scenes, you can see Christmas decorations. I've never noticed them, um, so that's why it's set there. If they'd planned it, of course, when they visit the sheriff's house, it would be covered in folksy decorations, yes. and at least Norman yeah. Bates would have like a, a calendar from a local business and a couple of Christmas cards yeah. from from people who don't know his mum's dead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think that would that would improve the film slightly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what Psycho's has always been missing from me. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, th- th- that that is that, that's amazing. I'm going to have to go back and and like watch all the street scenes with an eagle eye. Now. Yeah. No. Well, I say I've I've seen Psycho as many times as, as any other film. I've it's never leapt out at me. Um, I admit <laughs> I'm not frame advanced 
through it to see if there are angels and, and tinsel in the in the windows of the uh, the estate agent. Oh, no, but I'm, now I'm obsessed with it because apart from anything else, it'll be something to throw at the Die Hard is a Christmas movie oh, and this is the most important thing in the world crowd. Yeah. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Don't come no, at no, me. No, no, I think it is but, like, well. But, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, it's it's a Christmas movie. Good. Let's move on. Mm. Uh, another <sighs> another uh, Christmas horror movie I really like is Legend of Hell House, which uh, takes place mm. in the week leading up to Christmas, though nobody seems to be celebrating it. <laughs> Well, for obvious reasons, yes. I guess, yeah. with an address like yeah. that, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of uh, Santa movies there. I, I, I did want to talk a little bit about some of the kind of Christmas horror subgenres because, and not to you know misquote, but bad Santas are a very big subgenre of that movie, aren't they? So, I mean, Rare Exports is one of my favourites. I tried watching Santa's yeah. Slay as an S-L-A-Y last night. It, it sadly was not good. Yes, I have seen that. And I've seen Sleigh Bells that's, as well. That's a good pun. I mean, you can't resist that pun. Yeah, there's a there's a French killer Santa film, which is called Code 36 Père Noël, which is actually, it's Home Alone. And it, it's literally Home Alone. Because I, 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 I saw it at a film festival. I talked to the director and he says, oh, they're buying this, uh, the remake rights to it, but they want to take killer Santa out. So there is a brilliant, uh, really tough, French movie, which is the plot of Home Alone, but with a killer Santa instead of the the bumbling burglars, and and a little French Vietnamese kid as the the hero, which I suspect has been sort of mm-hmm. suppressed uh, because the you know the, the the unacknowledged remake as it is, although the guy said that they did pay him, has has become uh, sort of an official mm-hmm. Christmas mm-hmm. classic. Uh, but I but I've seen. Yeah, there's To All a Good Night, which is Killer Santas. There are plenty of others. Uh, it, it's almost one of those ideas that's now too obvious. There's a film called Don't Open Till Christmas, which is about murdering Santas, where, where the, the psycho picks off uh, Santas in the street. Oh, okay. Um, so like mall Santas it, and charity Santas and people like that. Yeah, yeah. Although it's mostly set in Soho, so it's a really grim London movie. Yeah. But, uh, Interesting. I didn't know. I wouldn't have associated Soho with Santa's, but perhaps I'm just not. No. Well, I you would associate it with sleazy British films. That is true. That is true. Yeah, specifically, uh, especially this year after uh, reading so much and 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 writing so much about Last Night in Soho. So uh, yeah, other subgenres. Um, I mean, there is and it can, there is some overlap here, but the sl- the Christmas slasher movie. I guess that that goes back to sort of Black Christmas, really. Maybe kicking. Yeah, out Black of. Christmas is sort of the first of those. Um, and that's just obviously what you do is you have a really nice contrast between the um, the decorations and the the tinsel and the Christmas carols and all the murders. Uh, actually, the reason that that Black Christmas is set at Christmas is is uh, a plot point. It's set in a sorority house, and the the sorority sisters are murdered one by one. And the point is because it's Christmas, nobody notices that they're disappearing mm. because naturally everybody's going home for the holidays. So it it delays the revelation that there's a murderer around mm. until very late in the film, just because it's set before a holiday. But it also leans very heavily into the celebrate. <laughs> I suppose it's the the ironic look mm. at um, at Christmas, which Tales from the Crypt had done a bit before. Yes. Um, so I think that's the, that's where we start with our Christmas slashers. Fair, fair. But I think I think you know Tales from the Crypt and Twilight Zone had done mu- most things before the big screen ever yes. caught up with them, right? Yeah, and Twilight Zone did a 
Christmas episode, but it was one of their gooey, sentimental ones. It's the the one about the sort of Santa type miracle on the streets. I, those are the Twilight Zone episodes people don't remember or want to think about too much. Uh, but the 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 kind of soap opera, heartwarming Christmas card ones and the uh, the comedy ones, they're not among among the best. I, I right, okay. I'm just gonna. I mean, this is as you know, one of my favourites, but. Um, a very supernatural Christmas, which is the Christmas episode sort of supernatural, I think balances those things really well because it does have some sentimentality at the end. Spoiler. Um, but it also has a tiny boy watching as his grandfather is pulled up the chimney and dismembered at the very beginning of the episode. So I feel like you get some points for that. You know, there's... Yeah, I suppose that Gremlins was the film that, yes. uh, that was the touchstone of that sort of thing. And Gremlins is sort of a riff on... It's a Wonderful Life because it's it's one of those small towns with a yeah, a horrible old person who's ruined everybody's life, yeah. lives, who gets got on Christmas. But it's also the spirit of Saturnalia rather than Christmas, mm. the, the ancient Roman festival of excess. Yeah. And, I, I mean, there are lots of people who talk about you know, the pagan roots of Christmas. Rare Exports does a lot of that. Uh, antlers and, and trees and uh, so that the, the stuff that's very little to do with Christianity. Mm. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question in sort of terms of subgenres. That kind of pagan roots of Christmas stuff. So all of the kind of blood and guts kind of Christmas. And yes, as you say, like a lot of you know evergreen branches being speared through people's hearts and and stuff like this. Yeah, I recently I really liked Krampus. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that. That had because that managed to combine the horrible family Christmas with the teach you a lesson Christmas. Yeah, the the, the, sort of the, the gathering of people who don't like each other and then can never get away from each other as their uh, spoiler stuck in the snow mm. snow grove forever. Yeah. I'm not, maybe this is just that I haven't seen it, but I do feel like there is a lack of those kind of social horror Christmases, if you like. I feel like there's, I would expect there to be more and I maybe I I just haven't seen them and there's loads. But you know, that kind of, we're all stuck here together and we hate each other kind of horrors. Are there some that I'm just missing or is that an unexplored yeah, niche? Um, there are, for social horror, oddly enough, the, it, it's the, uh, the very obvious one. It's A Christmas Carol. Uh, which is all about how guilty people should feel at, uh, the, at the, the terrible stuff that's gone on in in, uh, in Christmas. Yeah. And there was a, a British movie a, year, a few years back called Await Further Instructions oh. um, about a squabbling family who were kept together by a television set that kept giving them sort of awful warning messages. Actually, it was pre-pandemic but it's very good on lockdown uh and contradictory government advice uh that was actually a really strong film that that slipped under the radar a bit i hope it it sort of warms up and becomes a christmas classic interesting yeah i'll have to check that out i do feel like there's there's room for something a sort of i mean not like get out but you know that kind of horror that sort of people in a house that should be perfect but it really isn't i guess maybe silent night this year is a little bit in the same vein yeah and certainly uh, krampus and await further instructions do that i mean it's actually not not a horror film but horrible hostages whatever that that uh oh, that yes. dennis leary movie yeah. uh with kevin spacey where, where the the 
the squabbling couple and the thief are stuck together over Christmas. Uh, and he also performs a kind of Christmas miracle. Mm-hmm. I remember really liking that, but that for maybe for Kevin Spacey related reasons has sort of disappeared <laughs> off the, the Christmas playlist. Funny that, yeah. Yeah. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and host of Women vs Hollywood, a new podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. We've been talking a little bit about the advent calendar, again, the Belgian horror. Netflix a couple of years ago, and I'm pretty sure that even you may not have watched this, had a film called The Holiday Calendar. So not Advent Calendar, Holiday Calendar, because Americans maybe don't know what Advent yeah, is. Yeah. And that one had sort of a miracle happening every day. So, it's, But it was like nice. It's a cute film, which is why I think you maybe haven't put it to the top of your to-do list. I do occasionally think that I should sample a few more of those Hallmark card type uh, happy Christmas movies. And then <laughs> it's it's like you watch one of them and, and, You've seen and it one. makes you hate Christmas. <laughs> you know, it makes it, yeah. I think actually, also, I sort of think they all derive from that Brett Ratner movie, The Family Man, and anything that comes from Brett Ratner movies is a, <laughs> is a, is a, a bad thing, even with Nicolas Cage. And that was the first thing I can remember. They usually make it a woman, but the mm-hmm. uh, the, the one where the hard-driven, sort of career-oriented city person goes back to their hometown and learns the meaning of family the true and value Christmas. of, yeah. 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 Um, as, as everybody says, you now want to see the, the, the film about the woman getting out of the stifling small town where <laughs> surrounded by yeah, uh, oppressive mansplaining idiots in chunky sweaters so she could yeah, have a high old time on her own in a big city. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, the, no basically the, the, the sort of the hallmark cutesy f- uh, films have three basic plots. So there's the one you mentioned, there's the big city person goes to small town and learns true meaning of blah, blah, blah. There's the Christmas Carol ripoff and there's the member of Santa's inner circle teaches people the mean, true meaning of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you yeah, know, like that's true. Yeah, yeah. Santa's <laughs> son has to go and prove himself before assuming the hat. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, even I tuned out of those a while back. <laughs> uh, I did dutifully stick with Right, it's like I'm probably not quite over the trauma of that Dudley Moore Santa Claus movie in the in the eighties. Oh yeah. no! See, I was very small when that came out, and it apparently restored my belief in Santa for several years afterwards. So oh, well, I'm glad he did somebody some good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, in retrospect, maybe it doesn't hold up. 100% brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So. I, it, for instance, that hasn't become a beloved Christmas classic that's on television every year. No, well, it, And I it, think they it, wanted yeah. it. To yeah, be, I think they did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes on, but like on Channel 5 at like 11am on yeah. Thursday, you know, so the little kids yeah. can watch it. Um, I, I did want to ask, you mentioned them kind of earlier and another sort of subgenre I had on my kind of my list was the kind of the gothic Christmas horror. Now, they're not always strictly set at Christmas, but they're so often on TV at this time of year. They feel Christmassy. And I mean, you've written 
gothic horrors. So, you know, what, what, why do they feel as Christmassy as they do? Is it that kind of kind of programming idea? Is it that? It's weird. It's almost like the color scheme is right. Is that, I mean, I was thinking, um, yeah. for instance, um, I don't know, Crimson Peak isn't set mm. at Christmas because you've got a lot of snow and a lot of red. So, you know, that's, that's Christmassy, isn't it? There are some quite interesting film noir set at Christmas. It's Christmas mm. Holiday with Gene Kelly as a psychopath. Yes. Also, to go back to recent research, the, the film version of Raymond Chandler's Lady in the Lake is set at Christmas, although the, ah. the novel isn't. It's something that the screenwriter has added. There's a, it's got one of my favourite Christmas moments in that is where Philip Marlowe is interviewing a sleazy gigolo who's just come out of a, a sun lamp, and Marlowe says to him, Nice tan, very Christmassy, uh, which is a, a line that's quoted in one of my other favourite Christmas movies, uh, Charles Band's Trancers, ah. with Helen Hunt as an elf yeah. and a, a tra- time-travelling cop who has to fight a zombified Santa on uh, over the Christmas holidays in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> standard. <laughs> but yeah, it may- maybe it's just the colour scheme then, I don't know, but there is... Um... But yeah, there's there's something about that kind of counter-programming idea that that by having the darkness, by having the scary bits, by having the seriousness, it, it kind of sharpens everything else, maybe. Yeah, and I and in the, the Gothic mode, probably a Christmas Carol is, is one of those mm. texts that has infiltrated so much of culture that it just gets done over and over and over again, and that is a a, a very bleak story, and quite often. Uh, adaptations of it are too horrible for children. Yes. Mm. Uh, but that was one of my other questions. I was going to ask you, what do you think is the scariest ghost of Christmas future? It might be the one in Scrooged. It is really scary in Scrooged. Yeah, in the elevator. I also, yeah. there's, I, the, there's the moment in that where Bill Murray sees the fake ghost of Christmas future and is terrified of him as well. Although my favourite ghost in that is Carol Kane. but um, Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's a toaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is definitive in my yeah. mind. It's a yeah, it's a it's a great film, Scrooge. I haven't specifically talked about that yet, and I'm going to have to because it's the best. It's, um, it's also a film that that did do the the thing of when it came out, it was sort of not particularly well received, but it built uh, on on um, Christmas screenings, and and it comes round again and again. I mean, is, is there something to be said for that? That you know, you are kind of. Yeah, I mean, not to overblow it, but like you're talking to the ages when you make a Christmas movie and you're hoping that it will actually land five, ten years later. Oh, yeah, because apart from anything else, I don't know. uh, I mean, probably we go to the cinema over the Christmas holidays, but I don't know how many other people do. Uh, Mm. I mean, it's it's only relatively recently that they've had a trend of like opening very big films during the Christmas holidays. It used to be that the film distributors would stay away from that week Mm. because the assumption was everybody would be at home with their family or sat in front of the television watching Malcolm and Wise. But in recent years, they have uh, opened huge movies at Christmas, which is a big gamble because if nobody goes to see it, the, the, the film's completely forgotten by January. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Yeah, they usually, I mean, I think the biggest ones tend to be a few weeks beforehand, but this, I mean, this year, Matrix Revolutions is December 22nd, so they've got to be helping people get out. Yeah, because obviously what I really want to do just before Christmas is remind myself of the Matrix sequels. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like... Uh, it, how many ghosts does it take to visit the Wachowskis to stop them doing this? <laughs> Look, maybe this one will redeem the yeah, other Yeah, maybe sequels. this one. But don't you, uh, you're, you're now sounding like Charlie Brown. 
<laughs> and, and I admit, I do it too. I will, yeah, I'll go see it and you hope against hope, you know. How many Pirates of the Caribbean sequels did you actually get, get yes, through? I know, you know? I know. And every time you sit there and then the, the football is taken away and you find yourself looking <laughs> up at the sky with, with little stars going around your head. Kim, you know you've been there since issue one. Yes. Empire's motto pretty much is yes. every day is Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes. We keep hoping. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. You know? And people say we're cynical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we will actually be there watching. We want these things to be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one hopes for great things from at Stranger Tides than we yes, do. We true. really do. Yeah. It is true. Um, so let me just uh, finish up by asking you about a couple of your Christmas traditions. Like, yes. First of all, what is your Christmas movie that you have to watch every year? Is there one? Or what's your favourite? It's not actually Christmas. It's New Year. And it's The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, great movie. Which, for some reason, I associate... There's a big party scene in it. But I can't remember if it's if party is supposed to commemorate anything. I think it might be Christmas. Yes, it is. Because Frank Sinatra has a speech about whether he should wish the Korean guy uh, a Christmas. And then he can't remember where the Buddhists celebrate Christmas. So, yeah. So it's an actual Christmas movie. There we go. That's another one. And the reason for that is that at, at some point in the 1970s, probably the first time I saw The Manchurian Candidate, it was on television on New Year's Eve. And so ever since then, I mean, not every New Year's Eve, but those New Year's Eves, where basically, when I'm not going out and doing anything else, the, those New Year's Eves where it's too miserable to go to a party or I haven't got it together to have people over, Manchurian Candidate goes on. Manchurian yeah. Candidate, yeah. I have to say, my, my New Year's Eve equivalent is Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, that's good. If I'm one. not doing anything, that's yeah, a great, yeah. great New Year's Eve movie. Is that, is um, that a Christmas film? It's got snow in it. I can't even remember. Yeah. It it the the climax is New Year's Eve, so yeah. it, it goes past Christmas. There's there's some Christmassy stuff, but it's not really a Christmas movie per se. Yeah. And my other question for everybody on the podcast is: I ask about your Christmas traditions. Do you have any unusual or ironclad Christmas traditions in your house? Not really. Apart from anything else, uh, my sister and I sold our family house uh, last year. So all those uh, traditions, which we did have, you know, the, the, the young, uh, kind of uh, passed. Uh, I've reached the stage in life where both my parents have passed away. Uh, all I can say is one of the things I took from the family house was the shoebox full of Christmas ornaments. Yay. And I'll show you. <laughs> there is, you see, oh, yes. there is. I think I saw a, yes, yeah, I, I, have de I have decorated the uh, the monsters uh, with, <laughs> some, with some of the ornaments that have been in my family since the 1960s. So, <laughs> so that's my current uh, tradition. Actually, the, and my sister said this actually shortly after my dad passed away is that obviously all the, family Christmas traditions we've had since forever uh, we can't do anymore so we should make some new ones and uh, <laughs> what, what we've been doing is actually going going to the theatre to see a ghost story every Christmas Yay. unfortunately we couldn't do that last <laughs> Christmas when all the theatres were shut but we we are going to see Mark Gatiss's version of A Christmas Carol this year uh, and we saw The Woman in Black before everything shut down so yeah that's yeah. what we now do for Christmas that is an extremely on-brand Christmas <laughs> yeah, tradition. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Yeah. I just amazing. hope the theatre can keep coming up with ghost stories. I mean, actually, let's face it, we could go and see a theatre version of A Christmas Carol every year. Every yeah. year. Yeah. Which actually might not be a bad idea. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, uh, as a recommendation, the Dickens Museum has a really terrific reading of Dickens ghost stories by uh, James Swanton, who I highlighted in my Empire column a while back. He's one of Britain's great grotesque Gothic character actors. You won't recognise him because you've seen him under makeup in all <laughs> in stuff like Host. He's the ghost in that. But he does readings yeah. of Dickens's ghost stories, which are. Uh, perfectly in the tune of the original Victorian Dickens readings of them. Uh, and he, do, yeah. he does Christmas Carol. But, uh, oh, that'd be amazing, hmm. actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I meant to say when we were talking about Gothic films, but like Dickens kind of invented that whole... Well, arguably he invented Christmas. There's a film it. called The Man Who Invented <laughs> there Christmas. There is a film called, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it's, Prince yeah. Albert, uh, yeah, who imported some German traditions to, to Britain uh, deserve some of the credit and Christmas does turn up in a few uh, <laughs> other pre-Dickens things but the shape of Christmas is very mm. laid down by Dickens isn't it and actually I, I think towards the end of his life Dickens must have got really fed up with this because in his last book The Mystery of Edwin Drood there is the most awful Christmas imaginable it's the uh, the poor destitute woman going around churches and charitable institutions on Christmas being turned away and, and, and dying no. in the snow. Uh, so I think that, yeah, oh, Dickens God. probably got fed up with all that, yeah, have some plum pudding, Charlie stuff <laughs> and being Mr. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The man who invented and then tried to destroy Christmas. There's, there's your sequel, yeah. Dan Stevens, yeah. if you're listening, and I'm sure you are. <laughs> well, listen, Kim, thank you so much can't wait to finish reading Something More Than Night because, like I say, really, really enjoying it. And um, if people haven't read your books, they should, I mean, they're, they're available all over, uh, published here in the UK by Titan. Do look out for the Drearcliff School uh, series where I get a name check and the Anno Dracula series, which are just the greatest. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production.